thingy. I'm on. Yay. Hooray for me. Keep those cards and letters coming in, folks, while those plates are going around. You guys don't get out enough, you know? You really don't. When I have to explain it, I, uh, maybe it's me. I'm too old, right? All right, all right. Don't be so agreeable. I feel like today is an important day. That proved it right there. So, are you glad you're here today? In spite of the gloomy, you know, what, where, where is the... F- Brother Ryan. And here, I've been bragging on you to everybody. I have the utmost trust in you. Yeah, that was funny. Your job is secure, maybe for 10 more minutes. Okay. So, yes, very good. This morning, um, as it was already mentioned by Pastor Tim, we are uh, going to start a new, I hope we're going to reboot the spiritual DNA at Harmony. Uh, just a bit, you know, not all of it, because it's going to take a while to fix some of the broken parts of our DNA and leverage all the good parts. And, but specifically in relationship to leadership, we're talking about uh, new elders for the first time in about seven years. And so that's why I chose today to be a celebration all right, so we're going to eat. That's what Christians do. That's what the Old Testament saints do. We already heard that's what Baptists have to do. Uh, we eat. Thank you. Yes. Such a rousing... You didn't know what? Oh, to applaud. He didn't put... Yeah, thank you. I'm not looking for applause. I'm just looking for an amen. You know, yeah, amen. We love to eat. I mean, you can't live without eating. All right, there, thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk at staff. Anyway, so today uh, we've been starting a series in Titus. So let me just say this. If you're visiting with us, we are a church in recovery. I'm just straight up about that. Sometimes people don't like me saying that. I, I don't know who you are. I don't really want to know who you are because then I'll have to come edify you if, uh, if you don't like what I'm saying because we need to be in the process of recovery. Uh, Some of our history has been rough. We are doing pretty okay well now. Uh, It feels pretty... I mean, I got to be... I got to hedge my bets there a little bit. And today is a significant day because of that. And so I think it's only right, uh, if if you're visiting, you understand, a church, if it's really what it's supposed to be, is a place on the planet that represents the person of Jesus who has given his life for the sins of the world so that all the junk that keeps you awake at night can be dealt with and you can know for sure that you have um, a relationship with the God who made you as well as an eternal future that is secure. That's what he wants people to know. If they don't and they're going to a church, the church is not functioning as a church. So I can't park on that today, but everybody at the end of the service that's standing in front of you, and there'll be a bunch of them, can explain to you that if you're sitting here listening, what does all that mean? Come up and grab one of us by the lapel or something nicely, 
and ask, what is that raving old fossil talking about? Because it's life eternal. And I always love to tell the story, and we all should love to tell our story, whether it's a mild story or a very exciting story, that God got a hold in the 70s of a radical, dumb, hippie, drug-using, off-the-wall person and turned his life 180 degrees around. around. He did. And uh, that's not me. I'm talking about someone else. No, it was me. And I've been on this journey for 45 years, enjoying my walk with Christ and experiencing the church doing her job, which is really fun. So with all that said, we're talking about new leaders today. And I think it's appropriate that we speak about the right stuff. Now, when I say that, what immediately comes to your mind? Anybody who's more than 20 years old? Put it up there. Where is it? There they are. Chuck Yeager and all of those guys. Anybody ever see that movie? I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying. It's talking about these men with real grit who pioneered the space program, right? Uh, Carpenter was in there, the first man we shot into space. And then uh, Glenn and all the other men. And uh, so this was the, one of the PR pieces, and we can, we can put that down. So uh, that's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about a different arena that requires a certain amount of grit, a certain amount of qualification, necessary um, ability and um, desire, if you will. Think about people willing to put their life on the line to conquer space, no guarantee they're going to live through it, right? There's a drive there. And we have picked songs today, and there'll be a closing song you probably won't know, but I'm going to teach it to you, whether you like it or not, that talks about rise up, O men of God. For the modern generation, they changed it to church, but the original was men, and it means all of us, but rise up, rise up. And give yourself to this ultimate cause. It's worth exercising some grit and work and energy and exhaustion and whatever it might happen to be. So that's what I want to talk about today. I hear a little echo. Is it me because I'm so full of the spirit? or I wish. So with that in mind, um, let me just mention some things about leadership. On my wall, in my office, I have a little deal that I put together years ago. It grew progressively. The first thing was, it's a basic principle, everything rises and falls on leaders. Everything rises and falls on leaders. But that's not enough. The actual, the first one that I ever put up, because I know that this is true, without the Holy Spirit, nothing will happen. So, here's my order. Without the Holy Spirit, nothing will happen. Second, everything rises and falls on leadership. Third, took me a while, I'm a little slow. I finally figured out the last one. These two things are connected. They are connected. Holy Spirit's necessary for the work of the church to go forward. Everything rises and falls on leaders, but these things are connected. You can have leadership without the Spirit, it'll show by its fruit, right? You can have the Spirit and no leadership, eventually what is good from God will get derailed. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. So those are my little principles. 
And the reason I bring that up is because churches are notorious for making blunders in this department. Have you noticed? Good qualifications for leading a church are not, well, he's breathing. Yeah. Uh, He actually showed up to church three weeks in a row. That's quite a deal sometimes. He's important in the community. He runs the bank. What, none of those things are qualifications for leadership from a spiritual perspective. But we sometimes get that wrong. And let me just make a statement. I'm going to try to keep this pretty tight because my ADD tends to take over every so often. And uh, on this subject, my ADD could take me on like 15 bunny trails. So if I start on that, you're going to hear my wife say, oh, dear. And I'll get back on track. Right, honey? Thank you, sweetie. So, let me make another statement. I, I like those three. You can steal them. They're free. All right? I haven't, they're not copyrighted or anything. The Holy Spirit is necessary for anything to happen. Everything rises and falls on leadership. These two are connected. Here's another one. You know, nature abhors a vacuum. So does leadership. Leadership abhors a vacuum. If the right people don't stand up to lead, the wrong ones will. And I'm hoping starting today that we rebuke, re, rebuke, that we reboot our circuits and uh, move in a direction where right leadership takes its role, rightful place, and we lead, and that the congregation responds. We got Congregational Affirmation months back for four new leaders. Two deacons, two elders. The elders are a new start. Okay? This is just the beginning. I'm hoping there are more to come down the, down the, what, the tra- railroad track or whatever. I hope there's more to come. We're expecting more to come. And we want to take it seriously and make it happen. But when you voted, even if people don't take that very seriously, you better start taking it seriously today. Because leaders are to be responded to. They need our support. Just like the church needs the support of leaders to help them, direct them, encourage them in their most holy faith. So a couple of months back, we did that, or more than that, and uh, hopefully more will come. And we look at passages of scripture like I'm about to read, and uh, we wonder what on earth does all that mean? So the text for today, I'm putting up just the, where it is. If you want to follow along, I'm going to ask you again. I don't do this every week, but I do like to once in a while. Because in the Old Testament, when they opened the word of God, everybody instinctively stood up. Because God was about to speak to his people, and they respected and understood that. And so today, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing in just a minute. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, you'd like to follow along so you know that I'm not making this up. That, that was a little humor. I, I'm not making that. All right, put it up. Laugh. Now, the last thing we need is a laugh track. Okay. Help us, Jesus. All right. Titus chapter 1 in your own Bible or on page 1193. 1193 in the book that's in your seat packet, uh, pocket in front of you. So now let us stand. I'm going to read the passage. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to jump in. 
Titus 1, starting in verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you, namely... If any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious. For those of you who don't know, that means always looking for a fight. Not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. Here's a good one holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. So today, aware or not, we have gathered, Lord, in the presence of the living God. When the church gathers out of the world and gives attention to you, there's something unique happening on the planet that's not happening in other places. There's a redemptive energy that comes into your church. I apologize, God, for the many who profess your name, who uh, dishonor and don't recognize the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in the gathering of the saints as a significant act that they do in the world as a witness that Jesus is their Lord. Help us to start seeing your business, your body, from your perspective, for your honor and for your glory. And as we look into your word today, edify your people. Thank you for those in the room who are hungry, who are leaning in, who desire earnestly to have the favor of the Spirit working in their lives You're the one who liberates us. You're the one who changes us. You're the one who delivers us from the things that are killing us. You're the one that makes us different in a good way. You're the one that sanctifies us and helps us on this journey of becoming more and more and more like your son, Jesus. So, Father in heaven, today, help us to have ears to hear. Help your servant in his limitations to communicate your holy truth. For your namesake we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. So what do these qualifications we just read mean? You know, in 1 Timothy, there's another parallel passage that says similar things. And I don't know about you, but when I used to read that, I'm saying, these guys have to walk on water. Anybody else feel like that? Right? Derek, I mean, you're the only one I know I've seen walk on water. He, he walked across the Wallkill River last week. No, I'm kidding. Now everybody else is going to want to see that. You know that. I made that up. It's not perfection. That's my first point. Leadership is not about perfection. No mistakes. No weaknesses. No areas of sin that I struggle with or something. Every one of us has something that we're up against, right? It's not about perfection. Not about perfection. Even though sometimes people tend to... um, we were praying as a worship team, and one of our brothers said, yeah, once people step up to lead, then everybody looks for the chink in the armor, right? Ooh, let's see. A lot of drama on TV all this week in the news, right? Looking for the chinks and all of that, and guilt or not, I don't know. doesn't matter, but it's serious business. As soon as you step up to lead, 
All right. Anybody see that great movie, The Patriot? Yeah, I, I love that film, especially the one section where he asks his kids, you know how to recognize the leaders? Because if you know who the leaders are, you take them out, the troops go into chaos, right? That was the whole point. And that's the point always has been. This is why when you, when you read, I mean, I have to say, I read with sadness over and over again how many men in ministry collapse. And it's grief-causing. It should rather, oh, there, well, another one, see? That makes my, my, my life look pretty good compared to him. You know what I mean? No, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. The enemy's gaining the upper hand and winning in that. So enough. See, there's an ADD moment. I've got to get back on track. First verse. If any man's above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. We're not going to take the time to unpack every single dimension of spiritual leaders. Because there's a bunch there, one that's kind of funny to me. I'll tell you why in a minute. But what I want to park on is that first expression. What he's describing, really, in especially the office of elders... We're going to be aware as we go through this that elders are literally co-pastors in a congregation. They help shepherd the congregation. Okay? That what he's looking for is above reproach, meaning not open to censure, not doing something that's obviously wrong, scandalous, what have you. Not the kind of person that's going to be called into court and have to give an explanation. I don't mean you had an accident and you go to court. That's not what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. So let, let me uh, opine for just a moment. This is in my notes, dear, so don't cut me off, all right? <laughs> so a few weeks back, we were with our, our oldest daughter who has two grandchildren, and she's connected with a lot of people. It's been a, an awesome thing to see um, that. And somebody had talked with her about, I would like to come and... Um, and have you pray with me? And, of course, she was like on the phone. What do we do? You know, it's lots of fun. And uh, we encouraged her. But here was the best part about that story. It just struck me so funny. She said, the person asked and found out that she was a pastor's kid. Now, what would be the big deal? Here's what happened. She said, you're a pastor's kid? And she went, yes, Why? Every pastor's kid I've ever met has been on drugs, has been in jail, has been a rebellion, and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> I couldn't help but laugh. On the one hand, on the other hand, I want to weep. On the third hand, I rejoice that my daughter got it right because I'd have to kill her if she didn't. <laughs> I wonder when I look out at the church sometimes whether anybody takes anything that book says seriously. There's a commentary here. <clears throat> I recognize when I got called into ministry and I went to seminary and I started my first work and I was so busy making sure that the church did well that I could easily lose my family that when I read the scripture, it convicted me. I said, I'm not going to go down that road. I don't care what happens. I'm going to keep my marriage tight. And I'm going to try to lead my kids as best as I can. I took it seriously. You have to have some grit to decide to do that. And Dave was talking about his children last time, right? That whole issue two weeks ago, that I want to help them follow. In fact, it's interesting, the word for not accused of dissipation or rebellion, literally one of the, one of the definitions of that can, dissipation can be 
substance abuse, you know. But anyway, there are standards that the Scripture talks about. It's that kind of reproach, especially in other areas where it doesn't seem to matter. I won't even pick on people in the neighborhood. I'll go back to where I used to live, where there's a brother who cannot... He keeps preaching in church after church. He cannot keep his trousers on, if you know what I'm saying. Cannot. And they keep putting him in the pulpit. There's something sick and wrong. I don't know how else to say. He has no business teaching the word of God. The scripture's clear about that. But the fact that you drive around and you don't um, keep your car clean is not a disqualification. I knew you'd like that one. And uh, whatever. So, okay, one, if any man is above reproach, that's the kind of thing, a glaring issue. He shouldn't be stepping up to the plate. The second qualification, I think there's two primary. Second qualification, go to the next verse if you would. Thank you. Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. Interesting word in Greek. Contradict means, oh, let me get it right. Anti-Lego. That has nothing to do with Legoland. (laughs) Nothing. The Greek word for speak is Lego. Okay? It's Lego. So it's anti-speech. He can refute the anti-speakers. The ones who are saying, no, the Bible doesn't mean that, or no, you don't know anything. He's able to say, no, let me show you Verse by verse by verse, here's what God says, you're wrong. He knows the scripture. So he holds fast the faith. He doesn't have to be perfect in it, but he knows his stuff. He knows what the Bible says. This is what real Christianity looks like. This is sound teaching from the Bible. That I know, and I can help get you on your way. I can aim you in the right direction, help you in your discipleship. Opposers, wrong teachers... He, he can block that. So there are two points, really, that are coming out in God's standard for leaders. One, they're an example of discipleship. They walk a healthy spiritual life. That's all it means. Healthy spiritual life is not perfection. What did I say, class? Not perfection. Okay? But they're walking a normal, healthy spiritual life. And the second thing is they're sound in the Scripture. They're sound in doctrine. Those two things. So, has nothing to do with never making a mistake. It has everything to do with being a normal Christian, a stable model of how to walk with Jesus. And another thing that really helps a lot, like the passion of those guys who wanted to go into space, is to have a passion for Jesus' church. That I want to see the church, more than my own self-interest, I want to see the church prosper and do well. I want to see her grow and become holy. So the first thing, it is not perfection. Everybody got it? Two, it is a privilege. It is a privilege. Okay? People don't understand that sometimes. We put people in place that we need a job filled, we need a slot filled, and it's a privilege, and we're going to see a heavy responsibility as well. Here's what it says in the Scripture. If it's a trustworthy statement, this is the sister book, Timothy. If a man aspires, if he has the desire to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Yeah? Here's the the deal. It's work. Uh, Guys, where's where's Steve? 
Work. Work. Remember Maynard G. Krebs way back when? Work. You're going to have to work. Work. Well, yeah, there's work. And it's a fine work. It's an important work. It's a privilege to be doing it. But here's what it tells us. If anyone aspires to that office, to desire it is a good thing. Unless I want to be important. Everybody notice my haircut today? I didn't get one. That's the problem. Um, You get what I'm saying? If I'm in it for that, this is not showbiz. Showbiz is all about that. It's all about how cool I am. And all my postings of me changing my underwear and everything else, you know. That's not the motive for the kingdom. I want the kingdom to prosper. I want God to be honored. I'm willing to step into this job and serve for his name's sake and for his people's sake. It's a trustworthy statement if he desires it. It's a good work he desires. Anybody ever hear this? Uh, eh, he's not so great, but uh, I think his name's John MacArthur. Or... That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. I learned a lot from John MacArthur. In fact, we had him speak at our seminary when I was young. And guess what he spoke on? The elders of the church. And he made a statement that riveted itself into my brain. If every man in your church is not aspiring to be an elder, there's something wrong with them or there's something wrong with you. So, I told you you made a mistake hiring. Anyway, think about that. Think about it. Do we desire to see the kingdom go? Is there anything in you that tweaks? Oh, no, no, I'm not called that. Well, maybe not, but maybe something else. God's got something in mind. Your life matters. You know he's on, you know that you're on his radar, don't you? You sitting in the room today? Anybody sitting in the room today? Anybody not sitting in the room today? I want to know who you are. Yeah. You're on his radar. And it's not just, oh, I'm here to get fed forever until you fall over unconscious. That's not, you know, we got spiritual gout in the church. Did you hear what I just said? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I'm getting, you know, I'm fed, I'm fed. I'm, I, I'm looking to get fed. I'm leaving this church to get that church. That one's feeding me. That one's not feeding me now. I'll go to another church. You already got gout. You have enough. In fact, all right, now this is a sidebar. I made this up, Cheryl. You're going to give me permission because I'm doing okay on time. I'm looking. I used to say to my assembly up north, we started small groups, and I think I started that with our small groups too. Look, imagine if you would, you entered the twilight zone. You wake up tomorrow morning, and you're in a completely different culture, a completely different country. They speak English just like you, but there isn't one evangelical Christian church in the entire country. They don't know who Jesus is. Miraculously, like what happened to Philip on the road, you know, going to demand. Whoop! You're gone. You appear. Honey, how did we get here? I don't know, but where are the kids going to go to school? Let's go past that. Why did God put you there? You already have enough information from what you've gotten, even in the five years I've taught you, to start five churches in that country. Tell me what to do. I think he's been trying. Okay, I know I'm preaching. It's my job. But I believe it. 
It's a privilege. It's a good desire. And by the way, deacons, your qualifications for leadership are exactly the same as the elders. Did you know that? Except one missing point. You don't have to teach like they do. You're not under that application. However, if you read the New Testament, Philip, Stephen, all of those guys were out preaching the gospel and teaching, and got, one of them got martyred, so think of what you got to look forward to. And uh, they were out there making the kingdom go forward. It was often the case. And by the way, in the history of the church, here's what it says. Let me, let me put this up. Those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that cool? Hey, this is a Baptist brother I'm reading from right now. He's got, uh, let me make sure he's got a foot. Yeah, he's got a foot. PhD, all right? He's got you know, a foot. You know, PhD. You guys, really, just get some coffee before we're done here. All right. His, uh, his little history lesson on deacons. This isn't even talking about elders, deacons. They kept order in the church service. <laughs> Delivered messages for bishops. That's me in this case. Administered the church fund as the executive agents of the bishop. That's another word for overseer, episkopos, same thing, the Greek word. Don't worry about it. Don't get hung up on that, okay? I'm going to walk around. I want to be called Bishop John from now on. I'm kidding. Deacons kept a close watch on church members and reported to the bishop any member about to sin so that the bishop could approach this person and hopefully prevent him. I'm just teasing him, right? Why did you automatically assume that I was to prevent the sin? In this way, deacons exercised pastoral care and preventative church discipline through their administrative role. What do you think of that? Deacons were teachers at times. They occasionally had preaching duties. They assisted bishops in training new converts. That makes sense. And by the way, women deaconesses did the same thing. Okay, Helped with baptism. That's listed here. Uh, worship responsibilities, conceded to deacons the right to perform baptisms, and they assisted in the Lord's Supper in the second century. Deacons distributed bread and wine and carried some away to the Christians who were absent, bringing the Lord's table to the sick and shut in or whatever that might be. So maybe you're getting the picture here. This is not about deciding, okay, we're going to spend money here and spend money there. This is about ministry. That's what elders and deacons really are about. So, one, it's not perfection. Two, it is a privilege because we acquire high standing before the Lord. It doesn't mean we're better than anybody else. Don't misunderstand that at all. It means it's a privileged responsibility. And that brings us to the last point. It is priority work. It really is. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it till I kick. I die. That's what I mean. The church is God's plan in the world. It's plan A. There is no plan B. When you go overseas, the mission teams, their goal is to organize new believers into clusters. Guess what those are called? Churches, where they have baptism and communion and edification of the saints and teach them how to be witnesses and all of that. That's what it is. Missions is the planning of the church. And the planting of missions is the church. Okay, it's always that. And I don't know why we so easily downgrade it in our minds because we live in America. 
So, it's priority work. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament that is another one riveted in my brain came out of the book of Acts where Paul talks to the elders in Ephesus that he gathers together. And he says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. What? To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. How serious can it be? How valuable is the church of God? By the way, who's the church? Yeah, the saints. If you're one of them, you're part of the church. Purchased with his own blood. That is pretty heavy. And so he encourages the the, uh, bishops to shepherd the church of God, the elders, shepherd the church of God, watch out for yourselves, guard them. He's made you overseers. The Holy Spirit made you overseers. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. There was an article out a while back by a guy named Andrew Wilson commenting on spiritual leadership. And the name of the article was, and I I wanted to read it to our elders next, or if I didn't already in our elder meeting. I don't always remember how much I've dumped on you already. Okay, I'll try again. Brothers, we are not managers. That's the title. Living as we do in a culture obsessed with leadership, and I have used the word leadership today, but I'm hoping you're getting the picture of what that means. Leadership, obsessed with leadership in business, in politics, in academia, and so on. Many of us do roughly the same thing to the New Testament. In other words, we superimpose that on the New Testament picture. And some churches, by the way, big and very successful and churches that I love and appreciate have paid some penalty for that wrong gravitational pull to leadership principles where we take everything that we can learn from Wall Street and other places and superimpose that on the leadership in the church. And there are always things to learn. There's nothing wrong with learning and doing things better. Don't misunderstand me. But here's his point. It's okay The New Testament indeed refers to leaders. It talks five times as often about elders, not to mention pastors, teachers, and overseers. Our new interpretations of Scripture in our computers will autocorrect things from eldership to leadership, but that's not necessarily a good thing, is his point. And here's what he says. New Testament language about elders, shepherds, overseers, teachers, and even leaders is bound up with one key idea. Serving the church by protecting her from harm. They are guardians. Guardians of the galaxy. (laughs) No, I hope they're a lot healthier than that. (laughs) What's that? You can't get out of it now. It's too late, Gene and uh, Steve. Too late. Let me read something from a classical 1975 book that I have found edifying, The Elders of the Church by Lawrence Ayers. It was a Presbyterian reform. Don't hold that against them because, if I can be so bold, it was the conservative, confessing, orthodox Presbyterian churches that were defending the faith back in the 40s in America while other people were getting way out in the weeds. They were standing for the gospel. And that's where this uh, context comes from. But here is Lawrence Iyer's six propositions having to do with elders. And it comes right out of the verse we just read. One, elders are made by the Spirit of Christ. 
You say, no, we voted them in. All right, got several questions for you. Why did you vote them in? How did their names come to the attention of the congregation? Who has been doing a work in their lives to get them to where they are now? Who, under the influence, supposedly, of the Holy Spirit, when we had to vote, decided this is God's will? Because that's what you did when you made that decision. You understand what I'm saying? So the Spirit of God ordains people with human means involved as well. So don't ever get confused and say, oh, you know, well, it's just, it's just a matter of human choice. And it is. But God is sovereign over us as well, right? I remember le- uh, reading a, a, a great brother who, who wrote in his book, and I don't want to get into what it is, but he said, God gives people the leaders they deserve. Ouch! Ouch! That's quite a statement considering the global picture that we live in. But I'm hopeful today because I believe we're rebooting and we have hope and expectation right now, do we not? That he's giving us some leaders that we do deserve to move forward to see the glory of God and advance his kingdom with us. Adult confessing Christians are endowed with the spiritual capacity to... to Let me fix my teeth. Now I can speak better. They are endowed with the spiritual capacity to discern those whom the Holy Spirit has made elders. That's what we tried to do. Biblical submission cannot be expected unless a congregation has exercised her will to put them forward, right? If I march in and say, I'm in charge, everybody goes, who are you? If the church affirms me, then that's different. No man can safely be put in office without those qualities. I'm going to just say those two big ones. Without reproach, you're not going to jail anytime soon, right, gents? Okay, one. And two, you can proclaim the truth of the word. Coach people from their error. Elders of the church, our co-pastors in every use of the office should reflect this fact. And here's the last point that goes all the way back to the beginning of my sermon with my little thing about without the Holy Spirit, nothing will happen. Everything rises and falls on leadership. These two things are connected. Elders in fulfillment of their holy calling hold the key to the health of the congregation under their rule. So what we're doing this morning when we lay hands on these brethren and commend them to the grace of God, which is nice New Testament language, We know that we can't do these things by ourselves. I'm unable to bear fruit by myself. We're commending them to the grace of God. We're doing that because we recognize God wants our health to continue to improve. Here's my job description for elders. And it kind of spills over a little to the deacons, but they get a little pass. Three M's. Anybody remember 3M Company? 3M's. I didn't put this on the screen, but how, this is not hard to remember. 3M's. One, they are models. How do I pray? How do I study the scripture? How do I do Go ask an elder if you don't know how. They're models. Discipleship. How to live the Christian life. They're models. One, M, model. Two, they're ministers. Minister to the saints. It's their job to teach, to correct, to comfort, to exhort, to serve. Last M, model, minister, and maintain. 
maintain, and I've given this word to our new elders, the guardrails of the church. You know what guardrails are? Those of you who ride motorcycle, what do you say to each other? Keep it between the guardrails, right? Keep it upright and between the guardrails. Guardrails are our safety. You don't want to go over the cliff. I used to live in, in Colorado. No guardrails. Very scenic. Very scary. Especially on Pikes Peak. 14,000 feet. You're looking. No guardrails. Their job is to model, to minister, and to maintain the guardrails. So if I go off, woohoo! I become a cult leader next week. It's not going to happen. But if I did, guess whose job it is, whose responsibility it is to rein it in? The elders of the church. So they are serving the church. They are, they are helping me in that bishopric role, if you will. There's usually a point leader, a first among equals. We're all equal brothers and sisters, but there are usually point people, right? Every context, every context. I used to interact with people say, we don't have elders, we don't have um, pastors in our church. We only have a plurality of elders. There's no pastor. It takes me about two weeks visiting their church to figure out who the pastor is. Because there's always a point person. Always. But their job is to keep the point person healthy. That's their protection for you. So they are serving the church. Why? For Jesus' sake. You have to understand, we serve the church. We serve God's people. We are servants to you, not slaves to you. We're slaves to Jesus, and for his namesake and for his purposes, we make ourselves available to serve the body of Christ. You've got to get that right, because you don't come in and boss everybody. You know, like, hey, you're my slave. Come wash my car. I may do it and then make a really profound point in your life. <laughs> get what I'm saying? They're here to serve for Jesus' sake. What's a good picture of that? When, when this was coming, I have pe- I'm so happy that there are saints out here that I know you're processing stuff. Wheels are going around, and I get this feedback. I go, oh, wow. People are listening. It's kind of cool. We mentioned this was coming, and I got some feedback. And one of the feedbacks was, how do we illustrate to the people that those who are getting set apart today are servants to the church? And uh, one sister told us that in, in her country background... Uh, a pastor had the elders come up to the front and handed them a toilet plunger and a mop and whatever. So, guys, get ready. Uh, we're going to get aprons for you. And... But actually, um, I think there's a better picture that illustrates what we're supposed to do. Years ago, I, I was involved in a pastor's prayer group and expended like 20 years helping lead that. And when I left town, which was what, six years ago, uh, I was extremely touched when they gave me this as a gift. I'm not much on, on uh, statuary or anything like this, but this sits up on a shelf in my office on purpose as a reminder. I don't know if you can see that, but that's Jesus washing his disciples' feet, Peter in particular. I think it's a great illustration, and here's why. Remember when Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet at the Last Supper? And, and Peter goes, ho, ho, ho. You know, he was always so spiritual. And, and no, no way, Jesus. You're not washing my feet. Holy cow. You all understand that's a slave's job. 
In, the, in that context, a slave was ordered to come in and wash the feet of your guests. Jesus, man, he just blows away the barriers. Wraps himself in a towel. Imagine that. You know, once in a while when I'm preaching, you can hear a pin drop. Once in a while. Imagine how it must have sounded in that room when he took off his outer garment, put on the towel. Their mouths are hanging. What the heck is this guy going to do now? He's always doing something weird. (laughs) Jesus, right? Talking to the wrong person or something. And he gets down, starts washing, and Peter says, you're not washing me. No, no. And Jesus says, if you don't let me wash you, Listen, there's spiritual life in these words. If you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. Well, in that case, (laughs) Peter, he's a riot, right? I love Peter. I think he's great. Peter goes, well, in that case, give me a whole bath. I'm ready. Really? Don't you have any sense of modesty? Jesus says, no, 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 not necessary. Whoever's been bathed already only needs his feet. What is he talking about? Well, the culture was you bathed and put on your oils and you smell good, you know, and get your hair cut, do all the stuff. You go into a big dinner, you go over, the slave washes your feet, and then you sit at the table. Why does he wash your feet? Because the roads were filthy, dirty. Your body is clean, but your feet are yucky. And it's a picture, is it not? And Jesus is saying, spiritually, that's what happens. We get bathed and washed clean when we accept Christ as our Savior. We're cleansed. Everything we've ever done, past, present, and future, has been dealt with at the cross. The barrier between us and Christ has been removed because of his shed blood. But as we walk along in this rotten world, (laughs) which isn't so rotten, by the way, Our feet get dirty. We pick up dirt and filth and sin, and we need daily to wash our feet. And one of the jobs that spiritual leadership has is helping wash the feet of the saints, not in a formal ceremony, helping you stay clean and healthy and growing. Does that make sense? Isn't that a great picture? Here's my last verse, and we're going to install our new leaders. In Ephesians chapter 4, the description of Jesus raised from the dead, coming and giving gifts to men, and then he explains it a few verses later. He gave some as a prophet, some as apostles, some as evangelists, and what's the last line? Pastors and teachers. Why? For the building up of the body for the edification, for the washing of their feet, for all of that. That's why he gave us these individuals. They themselves are gifted men, but they themselves are gifts as well. I mean, it's a little bit squirrely to be preaching that myself, you know, but that's what God's word says about it. I'm so grateful in my history that God gave me gifts And they were in persons that were gifts to me. And some of the people, like, you know, I teased Ryan. He was one of the first gifts to me. And just taking seriously the role that I have to communicate with you. And it was a gift. And some of the men I'll bring up, I'm going to talk about where they've been a gift to me a little bit. Remember, vacuum. Leadership abhors a vacuum. So to get the right leaders... Wouldn't you say that's a gift? 
And I remember when we were ministering, I don't think Mrs. Lou is here, but when she was losing her husband and we were down several times and Jean went with me, I was so tickled in the best way when I heard her refer to Jean Bozick as Pastor Jean. That's from a past, you know, time of operation. But I thought that respect was so beautiful. I was like, ah, oh, Pastor Jean. So, this is a step of faith for us today, brothers and sisters. Um, we've had historical good, I'm sure, but also poor choices relating to leadership. So this is a step of faith to reinstate our elder board and to raise the leadership bar at Harmony Baptist Church. I hope it sparks a new attitude among the saints, new attitudes and endeavors among the leaders. I hope that we will learn well how to speak life, how to admonish one another, and how to receive it as well. By the way, part of our modeling as leaders, if you come to me and say, I really felt like you were off the wall on this or you hurt me or whatever... I have to take that to heart. doesn't matter whether I think you're off the wall or just in a bad mood or whatever your problem is. I have to take that before the Lord. That's part of my modeling to say, okay, did I step in something? Am I wrong? Do I need to ask your forgiveness? And, uh, and then we do that. So this morning I'm going to ask the four new people. Now, I'm going to involve a bunch of people this morning uh, as we pray and commission our new leaders. Um, and we have a big dinner right after. And I'm just looking out. We're not that packed out. We have a pretty good crowd this morning, but we're not that packed out. If you're wondering what to do for lunch, stay and eat. And the reason I'm saying that is I know the people who made all of it don't want to bring it all home because that is not a good thing. <laughs> so please help us out. Oh, I don't know how to serve the Lord. Come eat. That's a good way to serve the Lord today. So I'm going to ask the four people to come up uh, as I name them. And uh, the first one is a, a return to his post, if you will, after a rough time. I've asked them all to share uh, just briefly from their heart with you. If they go too long, I'm going to hit them and, uh, so that we're done on time. But one is uh, Gene Bozick. And uh, as you know, uh, those of you who are newer... Uh, come on up, Gene. Uh, he was an elder in the past before some of our drama happened, and then the Holy Spirit put it on him, I can't leave that church, which I thought was significant. And he came back in spite of the fact that I think some of us were not necessarily happy with him, and there may be some residual stuff out there, and if there is, why don't you deal with that? And uh, Don't wait too long. I'm going to have all four come up, though, right now. Steve Atulis, if you would come up. When, um, when Steve and I first talked about possible leadership and he was praying about it and was revealing to me some of his thoughts, I thought, here's a brother who takes the church of God seriously and that role seriously, and so you blessed me at that time, just so you know. And then I have, um, uh, um, where's the cop? Where's my officer? Come on up here. Uh, I'm blanking out here. Jim Whittle, who who kind of blessed me at the, uh, early on in our ministry. We started prayer meeting, and he was like, this is so cool. First of all, he agreed with me on how to file my taxes as a pastor. <laughs> so right there, there was a brother. Uh, but then, then he was like totally engaged in this prayer thing and like, wow, this is where it's at. I said, why aren't you stepping up to 
And I've just been encouraged by Jim. And then Brian Tompkins, who I told um, everybody when we first talked about him and selected him, uh, something I had been complaining about in the buildings for four years. He gets on the team. Within two weeks, he fixed it on a Sunday morning. I'm like, this guy should be the president of the United States. So we had gifts. So, Gene, if you would go ahead first and uh, say whatever's on your heart. This is so I don't forget. Um, I'll try to do this without breaking down, but um, which is going to be impossible. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. That's it. Um, it's a big deal for me. Uh, it took me a while to accept God's forgiving grace. For I knew the last time I was an elder, I uh, dropped the ball and I made mistakes. And I need your forgiveness for that. I was, uh, I liked the daily bread. I use that in part of my devotions, and there was a, a little sentence in there that I think is so good. It said, there is a grace from God that not only forgives, but it also makes us better than before. And I believe that yeah. for myself, and I believe that for all of you. Because if it wasn't true, then we'd be just playing games here. Um, by God's grace, I really hope for a new start for Harmony Baptist Church. Amen. Um, I want to see God's spirit work in a special and powerful way here that we haven't seen before. And I think we're seeing it already. So I would invite you to join the team, get on board. Don't sit back with your arms folded. Um, God has a work to do here. And I can see it in a bunch of you. I can even see it in myself, which amazes me even more. Uh, But uh, I praise God for this place um, and for all of you. Um, I've always loved you and cared for you and want to see God's best here. Amen. Um, As a verse that really struck me. Uh, and I, I've shared this before, but First Corinthians sixteen nine, the end of the book, and Paul says, "A wide there's a for a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries." I believe that. I believe there's a wide door for effective service, and I'm also not naive enough to know that, you know, there's adversaries. Yeah. But if we're together in God's spirit working, and as the pastor said a while ago, we're in a rowboat and we're all rowing in the same direction, God's going to do some great things. Amen. So thank you for the privilege. Amen. Steve? After hearing that sermon the pastor gave, I thought, shouldn't Gene and I get up and run out the door? I was but, wondering. Yeah, but no, seriously, I do take this role very seriously, as Gene does. And I'm thankful to God and to this congregation 
for giving us this privilege to serve him and you in this way. And I haven't been here as long as Gene, and I, I don't know the, the details of the history. It doesn't matter to me. I hope, as he does, and pray that we can put it behind us, whatever it is. Uh, don't talk about it anymore. Don't think about it, but see what God has in store for us. And I noticed something great because we're here together. And I do have to admit, though, that Gene and I come to this role with an agenda. And the agenda is to seek the will of the Holy Spirit and of God and to lead in that way. Amen. And we need to be accountable to God and certainly to you as well. And with the formation of this new church council that's coming, that will help us to be accountable. And hopefully we will be on the straight and narrow. Amen to that. Yeah, I thought about what I'd say here, and uh, I know we all start repeating ourselves, so I'll just keep it very simple of who I am and, and what I'd like to see is basically I'm a flawed man, but I'd like to prayerfully look for God's will and see how we build his kingdom. And it's as simple as that. Amen. So thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you all for your confidence in your vote. I'd like to say that about a year and a half ago, I came to the pastor. I had a couple ideas. I wanted to do something here, and I didn't know what it was. And he hit me, you can be a deacon, and I was just blown away by it. And it just showed me that when you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to do this and I want to do that, he says, no, no, you, I want you to do what I want you to do. And I feel that's what this is, and I thank you for the opportunity to do that. Thank you. So, two other people I'm going to have come up just for acknowledgement, and then I'm going to show all of the congregation who our leaders are, so that you know when we establish our council, any one of the people who will be standing in a few minutes, you can go to. You can go for questions, you can go for involvement, if you want to get on the team, you want to help in some way. There's always tons to do. I don't understand people's eyes. There's nothing here for me to do, so I left. What? Pardon my little... <sighs> anyway, so thank God for these brothers that are up here. Uh, Pastor Tim, if you would come up. Uh, Pastor Tim's uh, job description has shifted, and we just want to acknowledge that today, that he is now assistant pastor, Tim Strait. Uh, he's helping with... Yes, he keeps doing youth. He keeps, uh, you know keeps his eye on them, and you heard about that earlier. Um, He's helping coach the children's ministry and overseeing, giving some leadership there with the the great leaders that we have, by the way. It's going well. And uh, third, he's going to help me establish and engineer serious visitation ministry that needs to happen, right? It's not just about coming to visit you. It's about visiting people who need Christ and need healing and what have you. So, that's his uh, job. I just wanted to take the opportunity, since this is a leadership event this morning, to make sure you knew that. David Cloer, uh, he's our pastoral intern. We're still trying to connect because he's working a wingnut schedule right now. And I need to connect with him to see how can we plug him in. But we want to keep him around and have him participate. He's wearing a McKnight shirt. It looks like it works for Tim. All right. So... I've asked them to come up because they're part of the leadership. I want them to help as we lay hands on these brothers this morning, okay? Now, all um, in the future, we will not do as much as this, but we will 
put into our services as people come back on the team as elders, deacons, deaconesses, we will install them in the same way, but we won't need to take up the whole morning again. This is a first uh, on my watch. Okay, this is a first. And I hope a good reboot. So all um, deacons, deaconesses, who are in the room, even if you're off the shift right now. First, who are the ones that are active that are in the room? Elisa, if you would stand up, please. Who else? Yeah, I think that's it. Gary, are you the only active or are you off? He's off. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Um, Elisa has been leading the deaconesses. By the way, the big meal that we're going to have in a minute, it looks gorgeous in there. Those ladies have been doing a phenomenal job, a phenomenal job. Way to go. Way to go. And, uh, and uh, the F&F team, if you're in... So now, let me, let me go on. So I'm going to ask you to stay up because I'm actually going to have you, Elisa, with your other offline deacons and deaconesses come up and participate in, as we lay hands on these brothers, okay? So that's Elisa. Who else is a deaconess, even if you're off right now? You're going to come back on later. They're all working. Boy, I planned that well, didn't I? Uh, how about deacons? Gary, I know you're one. Who else? Anybody else? Okay. Past F&F team. Uh, no, the F&F team is here. Get, uh, Glenn, stand up. Anybody else on the F&F? I see some. Stand up, guys. Okay, good. Stay up for a minute. And then, uh, Dean Lucas, where are you? Any other MLT meeting, uh, MLT uh, leaders? This was the provisionary board that kept you guys alive. I'm going to just be honest. I didn't have the faith for it. <laughs> I didn't. I remember Dean and uh, Joan is there. Dean and um, Larry especially, who's not here, so I can't abuse him. Um, saying point blank. God has something in mind he wants to do here. I didn't even have the faith for it at the time, but you were right. Thank you. I want all of you that are standing to come up, if you would. Okay, so I'm going to ask the, um, the, the four newbies to step right here in front of the stairs. I'm going to have them kneel in a minute, but before they do... There's something we need to do as a church. And Derek, Pastor Derek, for those of you who don't know, this guy keeps me sane. And so if I'm not, guess who to pick on right there? It's his fault. So, gentlemen, you heard the exhortation from the scripture today. Are you willing to enter into a covenant with these people and with God that we will do the best that we can? Amen. And you, as the people of God, are you willing to enter into covenant and say, we will do the best that we can in praying for them and listening to their guidance, etc.? Amen. Let's do that. So now, I'm going to ask those four men to, to kneel. The rest of us gather around. And I'm going to ask Dean Lucas to be the first to pray over them. I'm going to ask Alyssa, if she wouldn't mind. Alyssa, if she wouldn't mind. Do you mind or is that bad? Would you mind praying? And then I'll close, okay? So, um, let's see. Uh, brother, could you grab the mic and pull it over this way? Yeah. Tom, thank you. 
All of these people that are up here, any one of them, if you don't know your ropes around here, you don't know where the bathroom key is, they're the ones to talk to, and they'll send you to the right person, okay? Yeah, so let's commend these brothers to the grace of God. Go ahead. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a joyous occasion. And Lord, it's been a long time, and we sometimes didn't see your plan for us, but Lord, we just knew you had it. I pray for these men, Lord. I pray that you'll bless them and be with them and you'll guide them in the direction of our church. I thank you, Lord, for them, and I thank you for our pastor. And, Lord, just help us to continue to have the faith in you, even though we may not see it, but, Lord, just help us to have that faith and vision that you want us to be. Thank you again, in Jesus' name. Yeah. Elisa. Father God, it is such a privilege today to come here and to worship you and to, I'm, I'm, I'm just so privileged and so overwhelmed to be a part of this church and a part of something that you have deemed worthy to keep alive. And I thank you, God, for these men. I thank you for Gene Bozek, God. I thank you for his humility and I thank you for his willingness to step up and serve in in spite of in spite of everything god I, I he's such an inspiration to me and i thank you for for um steve um god i thank you i remember when he walked in the doors and he stepped up and he became a part of this church and he saw the value in us and for the rest of these people who stand before you today, God, I thank you so much for their lives. I thank you for their willingness to serve. And I pray, God, that you will bless what you have started here because you began a good work. Yes. And you're going to see it to completion. I thank you for that. Amen. Amen, Lord. We commend these uh, men set aside as the New Testament pattern was. Select men from among you, full of the Spirit. Men with wisdom to carry out the duties that they need to carry out that we may put in charge of this task. And so, Lord, we commend our two deacons to the grace of God, Lord. Uh, Our brother Jim, our brother Brian, thank you for the willingness, the eagerness that I see in them. And I ask that you expand their works, expand their giftings and their enablements, and give them joy as they minister here among us at Harmony Baptist Church, Lord. I pray, Father, for my elders. Thank you, Lord, for, as has already been prayed about, Gene, his return. Um, The fact that there were really rough water, and he's got that mark of longevity, and he's a learner. He's still a learner. And I appreciate that, Lord God. And I pray that you raise him up and uh, work with spiritual authority in his life. I thank you for Steve, a gift uh, brought to us from elsewhere, but we're glad to have him. And, Lord, we ask that these men working together, Steve, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and in growing in grace as we learn how to not only receive it but give it, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give wisdom. Help them as the guardrails of this assembly. Help them to model, all four of them. Help them to minister in the name of Jesus, the name which is above every name. And we thank you, Lord, that the church is your enterprise in the world that we can shepherd the flock of God which you purchased with your very own blood, Lord Jesus. It doesn't get any more serious than this. Wake us up if we don't see it. 
Wake us up. This is the apple of your eye in the world. This is what matters. We pray for the help of the Holy Spirit right here. We commend these brothers to your grace and this church, your people, your saints, your precious ones, to your grace, Lord Jesus. In your great name we pray and all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you, everybody, for coming up. Amen. You four, please wait for a minute. Yeah, hugs are in order. Hugs are in order. Everybody's allowed to hug. Is my microphone off? There it is. First it's a hug fest, then it's an eat fest. That's next. Amen, Amen, brothers. So as a token, I'm going to have Gene, the senior, uh, senior, senior, uh, elder, if you would just open that. This is a token for each of you as leaders, as a reminder. I learned this from, actually, the president of the first seminary I went to, Conservative Baptist Theological Seminary in Denver, that invited people into the ministry to the order of the towel. The order of the towel. Our job to watch each other's feet. A reminder, a blessing for you. Let's pray together, okay? God, thank you for the gathering of your saints. Thank you. I, I, we, it was kind of a gloomy day today, but I believe your spirit has livened us, enlivened us today. Let us celebrate, let us fellowship. Not talk about sports. I mean, not that that's a sin. But let us fellowship about what Jesus is doing in our lives today as we enjoy the food that has been prepared. Thank you for everyone who contributed. Thank you for those who made it happen. Bless the food and the fellowship today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You are dismissed, everyone. Yeah, we should give God a clap offering here for sure. You can greet them here or you can greet them in there. So... Oh! Oh, my goodness. I know we're late. Can we sing a song as we close? Would you stand? So, you guys can go have, grab your seats. Listen, this is an old hymn. People are going to say, I hate that tune or whatever. Everybody listen for a second. Let me run through the words. Just think about the words that we're going to sing. The tune is simple. Rise up, O man. This has to do with the church, all right? They changed it in modern days to church. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O men of God. The kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and end the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task. Rise up and make her great. Rise up. Lift up high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God. Are those great words? May they sink into our heart. Let's sing it. Three stanzas, four stanzas, real quick. This is how it's going to go. I'll sing it without the music and then... We'll join in. It goes, Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. 
Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. And then you're going to hear that. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. And then we're going to go right into the second verse. Everybody's good? All right, let's try it. Here we go. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O men of God, his kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth lay. Her strength unequal to her task, rise up and make her great. Lift high the cross of Christ, tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God. verse more time. Lift high the cross of Christ, tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God.